Hello, Jews and Christians and Zoroastrians and followers of Donald Trump, which must must be its own small but growing religion. This is Unorthodox, a weekly podcast from Tablet Magazine. I am Mark Oppenheimer, joined by Deputy Editor Stephanie Butnick. Hi. Hi. <gasps> the ring! You got engaged? I did. <laughs> I wanted to bring something special to this the episode. the greatest radio reveal of all Did you time. know that, Leo? I, I knew that. But How did we, you know that? Because we figured it would be nice to have you. <gasps> Mazel I knew there was like telling my mom. Mazel and then there was like to- telling oh. Mark and Leo. That oh. was like the next big thing. Oh, I have no more octaves for my voice to go up. This is amazing because this podcast will now for the next year become about your wedding plan. Ooh. I mean, we have. The, this the, is my outlet. The potential is enormous here. I mean. I don't have a rabbi. I think I have the right like. You have platform. me and Liel. I I mean, could we? Come on, Stephanie. Me and Liel. We'll, th- we'll think about it. We would do it. We would take it seriously. Actually, I think it should be much better. I think you should choose one of us. I think the whole next year should <laughs> be like, like a survivor. reality show, right? <laughs> to see which one of us gets to perform your wedding. All right. Well, listen. This could easily. Um, this is the most important thing it, on a on a week when we're nominating a presidential it's candidate. True. This is actually more interesting. But I should tell everyone that our our Jewish guest this week is comedian Katie Lazarus, who does amazing humor with breast milk. And I'll just leave it at that. And our Gentile of the week is preacher and Christian podcaster Scott Jones, who interestingly in this world of religious podcasting is also our uh, editor this week. He's editing the show and mixing the show. So that'll be interesting. I should say that we're doing the show on Tuesday morning. By the time this airs on Thursday, Donald Trump may actually have put himself in a slingshot and shot himself into the, the ozone layer. I mean, after I mean, after last night's silhouetted. But for now, we have Melania. But for now, we have only Melania. Uh, we are mere hours after the news broke that Melania uh, gets her speech training done by Michelle Obama. It is. It was deeply weird last night. We, so we have no idea what world you're living in as you listen to this. I think by the time you're listening, Mike Pence has dropped himself off the ticket. Uh, Scott Bayo is the new vice presidential candidate. And Chris Christie is actually shining Donald Trump's shoes. That's what's going on at this very moment on Thursday. Oh, no. Unlike me and Stephanie, you have Republican Jewish friends. Yes. Uh, what are th- what are they? Uh, wh- what's the chatter? They're with her. Okay. They're all with Melania. Her. <laughs> with, they stand with Melania Trump. They don't. Uh, no, you they see, don't my, stand my with her. Republican Jewish friends are 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 two things. A, they're sane, decent human beings. B, they're conservatives. And as conservatives, they do not, you know, support, uh, like, or could stomach anything that this sideshow of a disastrous, of a nubby-fingered vulgarian represents. I actually, I have an editorial. I've not editorialized on this show ever. <laughs> I've not taken my founding, my founder's prerogative. Um, I am deeply, deeply um, disturbed, disturbed, and disturbed. angered by some of the people I've talked to who claim. Now, I'm, I'm not. You know, I, I want all people to thrive. I'm not a single issue voter. I'm not the I'm not the what's good for Israel guy in, in this room or any room. I, I try, try to look at everything that Canada does. But let me speak as, as a Jew here. Um, it is deeply naive of people who think that you can put on a proto-fascist cult of personality mob inciting moron and say, well, he's only coming for the Muslims, the Mexicans and the disabled people. <laughs> That is, but but like, we we're Jews, fine. but we're fine. If, if right? history teaches us anything, <laughs> is that right. a proto-fascist mom can be easily controlled. It could be easily controlled. I mean, that is. Hand. I interviewed someone, and I, I interviewed someone the other day, an evangelical 
writer who has endorsed Trump and who thinks of himself as a real friend of the Jews, a real fellow Semite. And I think, I mean, he is, he loves Jews. He really wants Jews to do well. He wants us to thrive. Probably all of his friends are Jews. And, and he said to and me, his best friends, all some, his best friends, some right? of his, no. And he said, but he's supporting Trump. And he said to me, uh, well, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any anti-Semitism in Trump. I don't think there's any anti-Semitism in that thing he tweeted with Hillary against the star David and the dollars. I don't think when he says my Jews used to say Merry Christmas, that it's a problem. I said, okay, let's say he's not an anti-Semite, which I think is entirely plausible. I said, what about the fact that he mocks disabled people? And this guy said, oh, well, that's just him being the crazy old uncle. You have to view a lot of his stuff as like the six-year-old uncle you don't want at the holidays because he does crazy stuff. Do you then know I, where else I don't want that uncle? The right. fucking Oval Office. <laughs> and then, and then he, I said, well, what about the fact that he says basically Basically, Mexicans can't be impartial. <laughs> and he said, well, that's just him doing it for a fact. And basically, we went through everything that Trump has said that's racist or bigoted or nefarious against some group or community and every single one he wrote off. And then I said to him, what if we caught him on tape somewhere talking about the kikes this and the money grubbing dues that? And he said, oh, well, obviously, I would not vote for him. I would not. We couldn't write that off. So I said, OK, so you do have this sensibility that that overt anti-Semitism disqualifies you, but bigotry towards all these other groups can be written off as the crazy uncle. And he's like, yeah, basically. I said, that actually doesn't work for us Jews. <laughs> like, don't think you're doing us any favors. All right. Well, listen, speaking of truth, to a little news of Jews. I mean, Trump is the news of everyone, but a couple Jewish rockers died this week. One was Ramon's drummer, Tommy Ramon, who was born Tomasz Erdogi in Hungary to Jewish parents who moved to the South Bronx and then Queens. We missed you, Tommy. Uh, the other was Alan Vega of the band Suicide, who died earlier this week. According to the Times, Mr. Vega was born, and I just knew. I said, I bet this punk rocker's a Jew, right? Of, this, of course. Mr. Vega was born Baruch Alan Bermowitz <laughs> in the Bensonhurst area of Brooklyn. And I, I just have to say, ain't that how it always is? Their, their names are never like Mark Oppenheimer or even Liel Leibowitz. It's always it's like always Baruch, Baruch David Sh- Benny, yeah. <laughs> So I just think, but here's here's my thing about this. I think it would have been so punk of him to keep to, that name to front the band suicide as Baruch Bermowitz. I mean, why why do they throw it overboard? Alan Vega, yeah, man, I'm Alan Vega. Bob Dylan, yeah, Bob Dylan, <laughs> yeah. In other news of what's bad for the Jews, everything's bad for the Jews this week. They're either either Trump's getting nominated or Jews, Jewish rock stars are dying. Or Miko Grimes, the wife of NFL player Brent Grimes, tweeted last Sunday. That Another my, great name for a band. Miko Grimes. Miko Grimes. She tweeted last Sunday that Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross, quote, was keeping his Jew buddies employed, end quote. Ross had hired Mike Tan. Ross, who had cut Miko Grimes' husband from the team recently, had hired Mike Tannenbaum, apparently one of his Jew buddies, to be the team's executive vice president. The tweet reads, gotta respect Ross for keeping his Jew buddies employed, but did he not see how Tannenbaum put the Jets in the dumpster with that Sanchez deal? (laughs) Which is such a brilliant melding of like rank anti-Semitism and And actual fact (laughs) actual (laughs) football commentary. Right. Um, You read the tweet is like, how dare she? It's like, oh, oh, she's totally right. (laughs) But the first part, like could use some, some tweaking. In a statement that she later issued to ESPN, she defended herself saying, quote, when I wrote Jew buddies, (laughs) 
sorry. <laughs> you know it's bad. You're yeah. You're having a bad PR week. Whenever you have to issue a statement that begins when I wrote Jew Buddies. When I wrote Jew Buddies, I was speaking about how a lot of communities—Jewish, Christian, gay, sometimes fraternities and sororities—will hire their own people for jobs before others. That's a fact. Why people find facts offensive is strange to me. And now I'm a racist. L M A O. That's do you know what that laughing means? Laughing my ass off, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you have to Google that? No, I figured it out. I didn't know it, but I figured it out. She added, "If what I said is racist or anti-Semitic, why isn't it also racist to only hire their own? America is just an easily offended, fake reacting bunch of crybaby A P asshole punks. I don't even know." Anyone that thinks I'm a racist needs to build a F bridge and get over it. I'm not a racist. I'm a realist. Here's my question. Sorry. Were you going to Well, her imp- – okay, no. You go. You can go first. I can go first. Go. So my question was, is she kind of a little bit right? Like, do we all no, hire – I mean, she's, she's – Tablet hires its own Jew buddies. But Tablet would not hire someone who wasn't Jewish. Like, Tablet's not hiring people just because they're Jewish. It's not like – Tablet would totally hire someone who wasn't Jewish. Yeah. If they fact, wanted to work at the Jewish publication. Yeah. 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 But so, You're weird, but so okay. the <laughs> assumption is that the – that he hired Tannenbaum because he was Jewish, not right. like because he was a, like a good coach. I mean, her uh, argument is that he's not a good coach and that the only reason he hired him must have been because he's Jewish. That's obviously not true. That like doesn't actually happen. But I like that now it's like the Jewish, the Jews who are like the, the club that no one else can get into. It's like, what are you talking about? I bet I know who she votes for for president. <laughs> but, I mean, Miko part of the Grimes. reason her husband got cut was basically like they were like, this is too much. Like the, it's the pair of you, and and then her they tweets. cut it because she came with the package. Yeah, no, she was like tweeting about the quarterback, like nasty thing. Like she was just like too a little too much. Yeah, but I don't think she's right. Like I don't think there's anything to this. I was just trying to play devil's advocate for Miko Grimes. Pleased to meet you. Hope you get my name. Oh yeah, I was puzzling you. Finally, a little POTJ, Politics of the Jews. Last week, major Upper East Side ortho rabbi Haskell Lookstein said he was giving the invocation at the Republican National Convention. But then a lot of people got mad. Members of his congregation. Uh, a lot Cahel- of his Jew buddies. A lot of his <laughs> Jew buddies got mad. Uh, members of his congregation, Kehelleth Jeshurun, said, no, don't do that. You'll make us look bad. And alumni of Ramaz, where Lookstein used to be the headmaster, started three different online petitions. And he chickened out about 24 hours later and said, OK, I'm not. I'm not. And then some other rabbi, Ari Wolf, who I'd never heard of, got called in his place. Here's the question, right? People who give these invocations always say this is a nonpartisan thing. I'm just blessing, just showering my blessing over the whole room. Uh, and, he's, and, and and I even have seen liberals saying he would have brought some Jewish I human wish, I values. Wish gave, I wish he gave like the real invocation be like the world today has so many perils, uh, so many threats of terrorism without and bigotry within literally all of which is coming from people in this room. And that's what he was saying. I mean, they, he, he released the text of his statement. The text was not quite as baller as you want it to Every be. Every threat to America. Do you want to, Stephanie, <laughs> originates gonna, from this I'm arena. Gonna read, I'm going to read a portion. Okay, Stephanie's going to read the, 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 this the, is my the, inner rabbi. The invocation he said he was going to give. Right. Oh, so you think maybe he wasn't even going to give. I, no, 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 I don't and know. And I will refund it. So, Stephanie, you you have the invocation that Rabbi Lookstein said he was going to give? Yeah, well, he released what he said, what he was going to say. And part of it is, we thank you for our constitutional government that has created and fostered the American ideals of democracy, freedom, justice, and equality for all. None of which you actually believe in. Regardless of race, religion, or national origin. For white people. Almighty God, we know that we are living in very dangerous times when all of these blessings are threatened from without by forces of terror and unimaginable brutality. 
and from within by those who sow the seeds of bigotry, by hatred, <laughs> and violence, putting our lives and our way of life at risk. Literally all of whom are in like, this room yeah. today. I, I just have to say something, though. I think that would have been a totally, pardon the expression, chicken shit thing to say. Like if what he's trying to say is Trump and his followers are making it a very dangerous place to live, He should. that's the invocation you give. And so to go there and do it in this sort of broad, right. highfalutin prophetic language right. is just cowardly. Well, the cowardly. problem is that like, the convention is – like he's talking – he's speaking with a level of nuance that actually like because this convention doesn't operate on you know who doesn't speak right with yeah. the language of nuance right he's and speaking anyone he's else say, trump bad god he's speaking says. rabbi everywhere that you go no matter where you are at i said you talk about this and you talk about that when the cat took your tongue i say you took it right back your mouth is so big one bite could kill a big man you talk too much but listen, my friends, before we go any further, I want to reassure you that our fundraising only has a couple more weeks to go. You guys have been amazingly generous, and we are good through about Hanukkah on the funding. But we want to get through the rest of the year, too. So you need to give more. Go to tabletmag.com slash donate. Remember, those of you giving $180 get mentioned on air as rabbinic supervisors, yada, yada, all the way up to the $10,000 level where Liel and I will perform your wedding. But it can't conflict with Stephanie's wedding because— It's true. Save the date. Let's be honest. We're well. I meant because we're performing. Your, oh, but we'll be invited even if we don't perform it, right? Well, if this podcast is still going when I get when I get married, that's right. So yes. let's let's put this on yes. everyone else. Tab- tablet- Otherwise, we're not invited, Mark. So tablet let's- mag. <laughs> so let's, wow, let's work, guys. You got it. Yeah, I'm trying to get everyone She's to keep the podcast to, yeah. going. Keep the podcast going. You have no idea if she and Ben actually make it to their wedding. Wow, wow, that's harsh. Just got real. Go Just to look steamed. Go, go to tabletmag.com/slash/donate. today is writer and talk show host Katie Lazarus. She hosts Employee of the Month, which is a monthly live talk show at Joe's Pub in the Public Theater, and it's a podcast. She's interviewed over 250 people, including Bette Midler, Ambassador Samantha Power, Al Franken, Lynn manuel Miranda, and Miss Piggy. She's also the one who interviewed Jill Abramson, the former editor of the New York Times, when Jill revealed that she had a um, had four tattoos, including a Times T and an H for Harvard. That's a, Jill's a friend of mine. I love Jill, but that's that's a difficult thing to have to review. I mean, you, you're going to get mocked if you have a New York Times tattoo and a Harvard tattoo. Really? You think? Yeah. yeah. Like, I didn't know about the H for Harvard. I'm I, a C for Costco. Yeah. It just, <laughs> you have a C for Costco. The T for Times was fascinating to me because it seems like antithetical to being a journalist to have like this branding. I don't know. The first question is, how, how do you make a living? Um, barely, but right now I'm, I'm working on, um, someone else's book and um, you're a ghostwriter. So I do. A, a, is that where the money the is? Cause of the deal, whenever, too. whenever people have a bigger <laughs> and dealier, the art of the deal is writing that book and then saying, I'm so embarrassed that I had to do this, but how, I, how I would you write, him. how would you write if Donald Trump came to you right now to write his, no, you, you, you would say no. No. $3 million in cash. No, I mean, I, in, I didn't read the piece that the guy who wrote his book said, but in his defense, it was 20 years ago. I don't think he could fathom that Donald Trump no. was going to run for president. Yeah, no. He was just like a kind of crazy guy. Yeah. So, so by yeah. day, you're 
a ghostwriter. You're raking in the the shackles ghostwriting. And by night, you're the new studs turkle. I mean, you're the person who asks people about their job. How did you get that idea? How did you like, how did you get that idea for, you know, I want to ask people about their jobs? Because I could not um, break into TV writing. And I, everyone around me, it felt like was, I would only look at them and wonder like, where, how do you get there? And I, I I couldn't get a job writing for the weather channel. I didn't know the steps that it took to get from like point A to point B. I just felt like disaster. I was like, "Mm, I guess that didn't work out. So I just started interviewing people who I admired. And that turned into a big thing and it's been going for for years now, right? Huge. I mean, it is all across the world now. Yeah. Like you're actually flying to Cleveland to speak to the Republican National Committee. Yes. <laughs> That's like the sign of like who when do you your love that, that you haven't gotten yet? Who do you love to get? I mean, so many. People. I mean, you got Lin Manuel Miranda, so it's pretty much all downhill from here. But who, who, <laughs> who really else would you well, love? My, so my band, my house band, is um, part of Freestyle Love Supreme. So, nice. so my beatboxer and I love saying my. As if I'm like part of this. As if you're Trump talking about Trump, the way Trump Trump talks about my Jews. (laughs) Yes, I am. um, I'm actually tone deaf and they ask me not to sing. But but um, the house band, Employee of the Month's house band is um, part of Freestyle of Supreme. And so that's Lin-Manuel's freestyle hip hop, not just Bethany and all these other guys. So um, Shock and um, Jelly D, everyone goes by different names. Leal goes by L.E.L. Tell us about the breast milk video. Oh, I was very proud of that video because so I was there's such an emphasis on eating truly local foods. And I live in a neighborhood where there is no natural vegetation. And I was trying to think of like, well, what would be the most locally sourced milk in the Park Slope area? And I was like, oh, yeah, breast milk. Like there's no cows. There's no goats. There's no sheep. So um, I I went to Wesleyan. So I had plenty of friends who were more than willing to um, offer their real breast milk for performance art. So I gave out. Um, so I made like bottles that was like the Crown Heights mama, the Park Slope mommy, and like the Williamsburg mom. And like these I were had, different flavors of yeah, locally sourced. Yeah. Okay. And I like, gave like different reasons why you would want this one versus another one and um, gave out free samples. And I was. Oh, um, I'm sorry. Does it make taste different depending on what you eat? Yes, they do. Oh. Yeah. Did you taste it? Um, by accident, I did. Ooh. So I had a bottle of, and also it was, it was like out all day just Ooh. to add to the like disgustingness. So, so I was there all day and um, I had like almond milk that I had put in a bottle for myself and um, by accident, I took the wrong bottle. And you, I like and that as was women... a day where you chose to drink milk. <laughs> like to yeah. just like have it with you. Well, because I wanted to look like, isn't this delicious? <laughs> and as women came by, you said, what, do you, do you want to taste it? Oh, to everyone. I mean, people really, one dad was really into it and um, was furious when I gave his kid chocolate, but was fine with right. his child. Like breast milk from breast milk. breast milk from when you, a woman you've never met. Fine. <laughs> uh, soda. How dare you serve that I'm to my basically kid? Basically, giving that child cancer. Yeah. This is one of my great complaints about the neighborhood in which I live. Where Brooklyn, you make fun I, of yourself. You don't even. I know need they make me. it so easy. It's, I know it's, that wasn't easy, yeah. but oh no, no, that they did. I mean, that was the scary part was that so many people were interested in it and wanted to know if it was already being sold at the co-op. Yeah, you're like, no, it's from Israel. Yeah, oh, it's from the too. settlement. That, that this is settlement breast milk. I would have. Judea and Samaria. I would yeah. have been kicked out of the co-op. Yeah, right there, right there. So Sabra, what, Sabra breast milk. What next? Now that you've now that you've interviewed, you know, Miss Piggy, Jill Abramson, and Bette Midler. I've been thinking about this because the show starts again in September, and um, you've never had Jewish podcast hosts on, by the way. Yeah, where are you guys? Why haven't I? I, I don't. You're literally, I don't, always here. Yeah, we, I would say anti-Semitism. Yeah, can, that's just my take. It's definitely yeah. anti- or, or self-hate. No, self-hatred. I mean they're one of the same. Yeah. yeah. It's it's yeah. one or the other. So after you have us on, what where does your career go from there? 
Um, that is an excellent question. I'm hoping to have like I'm trying to branch out a little bit. I want to have some more. Like I had the Guinness Book of World Records for most Guinness Book of World Records. Um, and I kind of like having those kinds of guests. Well, you know the sort of quirkier ones. But you're going to do this show forever. Like when you think yeah. what's next, you think 40 more years, God willing, of doing Employee yeah. of the Month. Yeah. This is it. You found your calling. Yeah. So what does it feel like? So you're in Joe's Pub, like, and there's a crowd there to see you, right? Like they're there to yeah, maybe see the guests, but like they're there to see you. What does that feel like? Um, it feels wonderful. It's wish that happened every night before I go to bed. It's just like me and my dog and she's like not interested i love the honest Cheer, answer right? yeah. you'd be like hi good night everyone uh, i will now be performing dinner and then netflix you, on bye. the couch cats no but i know what you're saying like those performative people who are like you like like it because you like realize that it actually correlates to some validation for them yeah right? like in a real way not just in like a, a fake instagram way yeah when you were an undergrad at wesleyan and you, yes. you'd eliminated doula and life coach yeah. and yoga life teacher. Life did not exist. And I would actually say that that is something that would not happen at Wesleyan. That's much more of a bard. That's what, so Shots there's, fired. There's squares and bard. There's you, capitalist pigs. You probably didn't think I'm going to host a talk show in which I interview people about their jobs. What yeah. did you think you were going to do? I So I was um, I was studying to do a doctorate in clinical psych. Um, and then I, I dropped out. I had a, I was in a, I'd worked in foster care and I like, you know, was a thoughtful human being. And then I dropped out to do stand-up. But I'd never performed before. I mean, outside of like holding flyers. I've always figured stand-up is the most terrifying thing in the world. I mean, you get up there and you know immediately how well you're doing. So when I first did it, it was amazing. And I I was, because I had no idea what I was doing. And so I won this contest. It was called New York's Funniest Resident. And they told me I was going to be the next sexy Tina Fey. And I want a trip to San Francisco. This was at stand-up New York. And I was, oh my God, why doesn't everyone do that? And so then I go to get my trip and the New York resident, a newspaper here in New York, I hope you're listening, says, I'm sorry if the word trip was ambiguous. I go back, the booker who told me I was the next sexy Tina Fey and that this would be my home club had no idea who I was. And then it like dawned on me like, okay, so you won a contest that you never entered. You didn't do the first and second rounds. Like, and it was a very good introduction to stand up. And then the next time I totally bombed, it was like two in the morning. So it was totally bogus. They'd <laughs> right. invented a contest to just bring people out to do bits and to do, to get um, people to like perform, you know, oh like, yeah. And so, but I was so hooked that I kept Tell going. me about your absolute worst performance. I think that second one where I like bombed at two in the morning and women were yelling at me to get off. Oh, I didn't have a lot of material. I, just, I had five minutes of material because I had only seen stand up once. And I, so I would do like modern dance concert imitations that I had seen at Wesleyan, which obviously is huge. You know, that's like a sure. huge crowd pleaser. I, I, I think that's funny. At Uncle Chuckles in New Jersey. And um, yeah, they were like, we need to get her off the stage immediately. <laughs> women yelling at you. That sounds like that to me is like my nightmare. It's, it's like high school all over again. And much more women yelling is harder yeah. than men. I've like had a bail bondsman on stage. I'm fine with like, yeah, I can kind of deal with like that. Well, because men are just like being assholes. Women are just like, there's something really mean it that's happening. So, yeah. <laughs> like it really does. cuts you down. It does. You're like, I thought we were one in the same. <laughs> I thought we were going to do modern dance together. Katie Lazarus. Yeah. If people want to see more of your work, hear more of your work, they can, and they can't make it to Joe's Pub to see Employee of the Month. Or to your apartment. To, <laughs> or to, to watch dinner. Or to watch dinner. Or to the Park Slope Food Co-op. To, they, they can go to my wedding, which um, <laughs> you guys are going to get $10,000 for. You're getting married? No. But oh. all you guys need to do is come up with like a shared, and then you will get $10,000. That's all we need True. to do. <laughs> That's it. That's the bounty? Um, $10,000? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Not bad. Okay. Like. We're entrepreneurial. Or, or they can go to <laughs> at Katie Lazarus on Twitter or employeeofthemonthshow.com. 
Katie Lazarus, thank you for being our Jew of the Week. Thank you. All right. You're so unorthodox. When you're down, when you're straight, faces come out of the rain. When you're strange, no one remembers your name. When you're strange, when you're strange, when you're our Gentile of the Week is Scott Jones, who's also our editor, which, you know, he's doing double duty. It makes it a little bit weird, but he's he's qualified on both fronts. He's actually more qualified as our Gentile of the Week because he is, in fact, a preacher. Uh, he is the pastor of Ascension Church, which is in Pennsylvania. Where in Pennsylvania? Langhorne, Pennsylvania. Langhorne's, Langhorne's leading unaffiliated evangelical church. It's non-denominational. Yeah. We non-denominational. Yeah. 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 Uh, he's an avid karaoke singer and a former karaoke DJ. Is that a thing? Are there karaoke DJs? Yeah, somebody has to spin the record. It's one of the best things I've ever done. I love Carrie. Right, I'm, I'm, right, hold on. Before I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I asked with you. And wait, wait, Liel. Wait, He's okay, also a level sixty-two hunter elf in World of Warcraft, which is in it your. Gives a lot to work with. Well, it gives a lot to work with. Some so. kind of amateur. Uh, so, top three karaoke songs that I sing or that that you sing. Uh, I do the best, Dylan, like a Rolling Stone. Like I would put myself nationally. I do a great George Michael faith, but it's more like a Saturday Night Live version. Like I wear tight jeans and shake around huh. and stuff like that. And I do, what else do I want? I mean, I feel like I do decent Johnny Cash. What are That's like great. the karaoke songs everyone does that aren't actually good karaoke songs? Like I Will Always Love You. That is a Whitney fantastic Houston. question. Yeah. Yeah. I think like certain stuff like Queen, I feel like it's just nobody can do it. So it's, but I think that the song that is done more than any song just on an anecdotal experience is Neil Diamond. Um, Sweet Caroline. Sweet Caroline. That is done. Yeah, they shouldn't do that anymore. Bum, bum, bum. That should only yeah. be at Red Sox games. Yeah. I want to mention before we we get deeper into your Christian psyche that you're also the host of a a podcast known in some circles as the the Christians Unorthodox. Uh, it's called Mockingcast uh, because you are part of Mockingbird Ministries. And um, you've been kind of like you started around the time we started and you've been doing your thing for people who think this whole Jesus thing is real. And we're doing our thing for people who, like stay that, you know, Stay on the derrick. Who, who don't, who don't, who think, don't, that. Who don't think that? And it's like we're operating these parallel worlds, and you're converting people, and we're not. And you know what's I going? Hope I've, if I've converted, do you think you? That's let impressive. Me, let's I start mean, with that. Do you? So you do? I assume. I mean, that, they offered me whiskey. That was definitely the right first move. I assume <laughs> <Keep it up. laughs> that you never yeah. know. I assume that when you do overworked, underpaid Christian ministry via podcast, via pulpit ministry, you hope to save some souls. Uh, do you think your podcast has moved people toward Christ? I think that, it, yeah, I've gotten feedback. I get feedback all the time, meaningful things. But I think that uh, that basically I look at everybody that's in any kind of religious gathering. They need to be born again, whether they're religious or not, in the sense of like, I feel like we're always, we've always, we're all like bottles of repressed wounds and things like that. And joy cometh in the morning, morning by morning to mercies. I see there's this need to begin again at the beginning all the time. So I think that like in the podcast, I think people, it's more like people that have been probably in some kind of Christian tradition that are, you know, in the desert and kind of said, hey, this has been really meaningful. This conversation with this person or this conversation you and David and Sarah had was incredibly meaningful. And, you know, it brought me to some new perspective. It like lit their fire again yeah, a little bit. Like they've yeah. gotten a little stale in their faith. Scott, yeah. now, now if you're going to go back to your childhood, so you can, you can lean back in the chair. <laughs> tell, us about, tell us about you. You came to it at, at a very young age, right? You, you sort yeah, of- I was not raised in the church. I mean, we were members of a Methodist church, but we never went. And there was this kid who was a fundamentalist kid. And I don't use that term. I'm, I'm using that in the technical sense. Right. Like this is not, not he was actually a fundamentalist. That's yeah. not derogatory. It's just like, 
He was a six-day creationist, like, yes. yeah. Dispensational, the whole thing. And like, Darwin will send you to hell. Right, but he was t- two years older than me, and he knew how to do algebra and throw a curveball, like, really well. And so <laughs> I thought, like, if anything he did, I, w- I was open to anything he suggested. Yeah. And he said that if I would accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, I would go to heaven. And I thought, well, I mean... He does throw a mean ball. So yeah, he does a great curveball. He does algebra. And what's Timmy the downside? Timmy must know something. Yeah, Tommy must have said. So I ran home. I was like three doors down. I mean, I was like 11 or something. I remember it was like October afternoon. We were playing army in the backyard or something at my friend Ryan Green's house, who was Roman Catholic. Not very observant, but I knew that about him, though, because we lived two doors down. And I ran in, and my mother stopped. You know, like an 11-year-old kid runs in. You're like, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? I, I was like, do you know if you accept Jesus uh, when, when you, as your Savior, when you die, you go to heaven? And she goes, yes. And I just looked at her in all earnest and said, you kept this well, me? Yeah, Why didn't you tell me? That's what I said. <laughs> and meanwhile, you'd been going to Methodist church, but it was such we, a sort of— We didn't go very often. And it's such a desiccated, mainline church sometimes— they hadn't actually given you the the, yeah, the hundred the hundred proof good uh, news. Yeah, no. So I yeah, and we like I said a couple times a year, twice a year, three times a year was a really good year for us. Um, there were good Sunday morning cartoons there though, so I wasn't dying to go to the church. Uh, so I went up. I actually like locked the door and sat in my closet and prayed because Tommy said it's got to be very personal. And I had something like a mystical experience, and I'm not given to them. So Tommy told you. Go pray. You went to your closet. You prayed, and you had a mystical you call, experience. Hold on. So you go into the closet. You close the door, and you're like, "Okay, Jesus." Um, and when you, I, I prayed exactly what Tommy told me to pray. And what does like, that prayer sound like? Do you remember? It was like I, I accept Jesus. I accept you into my heart as my personal Lord and Savior. Something like this. It's, it's prayer. I would not really encourage anyone to pray. Uh, I'm not against it, but I wouldn't encourage anybody to pray. But it was reductionistic and simplistic. But again, but I, I had something happen. Something and, happened. And immediate and real. Something happened. So how, what happened to your curveball? I never threw a good curveball. <laughs> and what happened to, to, to Tommy? Tommy went to Cedarville Bible College. I I've think. been there in Ohio. In Ohio. And yep. I think he's an accountant now. Tommy's a reformed rabbi. <laughs> 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 I, mean, I want to say something. I do a great wedding. And I've done out stuff outside church stuff. So if, if, oh if, if they need just. we do that? Yeah. What a, Let's what a all fuck do this. you it'll be to every rabbi in America to be like, Scott. Scott, <laughs> come on up here, buddy. Like, Non-denominational Bible pastor from Pennsylvania. Right, okay, I'm, you're I'm, right. We're totally opening the contest to all. Anybody wants to do Stephanie's wedding? I, I do a great wedding. I'm just saying. Okay, this is this is all really good to know. I'm taking I'm taking names. I have a question for you. So you say your podcast is part of your Christian ministry. Is there any way in which like what we're doing? I know there's no Jewish ministry, but like, would you consider that that? Because that's totally never ca- occurred to me. That we're I, doing. I would consider us that. I'm I'm here for. Don't sell us short. No, I'm just saying that's 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 language I don't typically yeah. go to because like, you don't believe in you know. But stuff. the idea it's, it makes sense. I listened to the Yom Kippur episode. Setting up, we rent space in a like community a historic building, but you know we don't own a building. So I was setting up the chairs and I listened to the Yom Kippur episode. The one we did, yeah. On apologies, yeah, yeah. yeah we didn't do a Yom Kippur episode. Right. Okay, right. <laughs> but we will do. We might try. It. We're, I think you're we're not opposed. Last week's yeah. guest, the Messianic Jew, would yeah. do a Yom Kippur episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was weeping, like when you told the apology story about. I just, I like, I sat there setting, and I'm all, it's like eight o'clock in the morning. It's two hours before church. I'm setting it up myself, and I'm just crying. So I think that, like, you have ministered to me, and I'm sure that you've had redemptive, you know, effects. And you've also like, there's a beauty. Like my wife and I have like listened to it in the mornings, you know, before she goes to work on Thursdays. So I, I feel like you got your, yeah. I mean, I, you have a relational ministry to lots of people, me included. And by the way, there are so many mockingbird people that because I taught, I, I chill for you guys so much. I evangelize, so to speak, <laughs> as, as for, for your podcast. To, well. And there are people that like are dying or just send us pictures of their, send, you know, they're excited. But I have, I have a final question, then we have to get to your questions for us. So my question is this. According to all the polls, Donald Trump is winning 60, 70 more 
percent of the evangelical vote. Uh, why? Why? Why is a thrice divorced, lapsed Presbyterian with no Bible knowledge and a horrible track record of treating other human beings so popular with evangelicals? I think because there's that piece in the Times about bad, the bad faith of the white evangelicals. The people, these people are like identified as Christian, but they're not in any kind of community, and so they're angry and isolated. Um, I think also in some ways because there's you know all these people write about the safe space and the politically correct nature of our culture and how Bill Maher and Chris Rock and Jerry Seinfeld won't do college campuses. So I think that they feel like, okay, well, yeah, we want to say Merry Christmas. I mean, it's the whole kind of Fox News, like there's a war on Christmas. I think it's that kind of thing. Look, he's going to like be for us. He's going to let us be Christian. Yeah, he's he's going to win the war on Christmas. Exactly. Yeah. He's going to send the tide. It's like Return of the King or something, you know, or Two Towers when Gandalf rides. It's, it's the war on Christmas. The towers will be on siege. Will ride a white tiger. The irony being Atlantic City and redeem us all. The irony being little Jewish children love Christmas. As I've discussed, I mean, Christmas, we're, you know, my household is so pro Christmas. Pro Christmas. My God. I mean, plus we wrote all the Christmas music. All right, well, that's as good an explanation as any. You had two questions for us. Before I do, can I just quickly, um, you guys always talk about swag, and Duo Dixon broke the Gentile of the Week, but I just want to give you guys, so I have three copies of Mockingbird's magazine. Um, you do? Mark, oh, because wow. of your Yom Kippur, I want to give you the forgiveness episode. He's giving us free year. stuff, people. Free um, stuff. I even know if there was a Mockingbird magazine. Liel. I'm probably I, the actually, audience Stephanie, for Mockingbird magazine. Since you magazine. do a lot of the tech stuff. I'm going to give you the tech issue. And this is, Leo, the work and play issue. Because you oh, work and play. These are beautiful. Hallelujah. How often do these, these come out? beautiful. Look so at Rabah. And I want to, they come out quarterly and our next is the mental health issue. So we do, so it's a, it's a really great thing. Play Isn't it interesting that the actually. Gentiles always bring us presents? No. The Jews never bring us presents, but duo tickets. Oh my oh, God. Wow. So, I, what he so brought us. This is actually, I, it's a little early in the morning, but I just want you to sample it. This, Liel and I made a sacrament. An, Liel and I work on our project together. And this was our sa- our ecumenical apocalyptic sacrament. It yes, is, it was. This is, Liel said this is the most Goya snack that you could have, right? Absolutely. Because it's P- pizza-flavored goldfish. Pizza-flavored. Well, I did grow up eating regular-flavored goldfish. I'm, I'm, That's a totally different universe. Okay. Once you start flavoring your goldfish, that's actually so, so go. true. That's, that's when you it's like blueberry bagels. Right. All right, that's so exactly right. To be yeah. clear, we are eating pizza flavored goldfish and Dad's Hat Rye Whiskey. Dad. To be also clear, it's nine twenty seven in the fucking morning. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, this isn't Hello, the first Dad. time. I'm turning into you. Will you make some sort of? Yeah, we make a baruch for us. <laughs> yeah. Um, we How would you bless? Baruchata, Jesus Christ, Bereh Bourbon. No, Burpri Harai. Yeah, I think, yeah. do you really, what I would say, honestly, I pray this same boring blessing of everything. I usually say thank you for uh, friends, fellowship, you know, family, whatever, and food and the way we experience mm-hmm. um, God's goodness and all of it. And thanks to Jesus, the bread of life, who was, even if you don't believe he's divine, is a decent person. Amen to Amen. That. Okay. Down the hatch. This is actually made very near oh. my house. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> oh it's in this particular dad's hat whiskey ah. is uh. aged in the new house. That'll take the so Melania canals right let out of your. Now, let us now also praise Dad's hat. Uh, really, one of the finest whiskeys. <laughs> I, 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 I'm a very big whiskey person. I know my. You knew Dad's me. hat look before. No, uh, Scott induced me to it. It is really one of the. I said this was our sacrament. Finest, guys. Finest enough whiskeys. Enough product placement. You have two questions for Three. us, right, Scott? I do. I do. One comes via my wife, who she's been in the healthcare profession her whole life. She's, by the way, a urological nurse practitioner for comprehensive urological specialists in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. Her practice is very happy. I said that. She's like, well, I, I, I work around so many Jews. I just, I'm a curious person. I just get my, all my questions answered. But she actually did say, because the, we know now the goyish cocktail is the gin and tonic. Rather than speak for her, I actually pre-recorded her question. 
Take it away, Lindy. If I were to throw a cocktail party for my Jewish friend, what is the most Jewish cocktail I could serve? And what is the most Jewish hors d'oeuvre? The most Jewish cocktail is pastrami on rye. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to say, like, I once saw a Manischewitz fizz. Like it was like it was, a t- it was trying to make Manischewitz like hip and cool, Gin, and that to me is like soda? so yeah, well, yeah. Like great. that to me is like so fun. Right. Right? Yeah. And I want to say pigs in a blanket. Oh wow! Oh, 100%. Wow. Not a party without pigs in a blanket. hundred percent. I feel like in my experience, are they kosher dogs or yeah? I mean, yeah. it's so yeah, we, sure. yeah. interesting. So that shows that's that we all just, we all grew up in different places yeah. because I didn't know what a pig in a blanket was until college. But I'm sure on the island, it's not a party without the pigs in a blanket. So I was raised by people who drank seldom. My dad would have the occasional gin and tonic. But I was always taken by the fact that um, in her memoir of her marriage to Lionel Trilling, Diana Trilling said that they, during their courtship, drank a lot of bullfrogs. I don't remember what's in a bullfrog. But I always thought maybe the New York intellectuals in the, in the 30s and 40s and 50s were drinking a lot of bullfrogs. So I'm going to go with that. I'm going to Google that immediately. Yeah, All right. I, I am too. Second question. You had another question for us? Yeah, I, I want to know, like, for me, some of the, the best preaching I think I've done, if I've done any good preaching, has been from the Tanakh, a lot from the Torah. Like, so I have a deep connection to Hebrew Bible narratives. Now, I, because I've done PhD work in theology and stuff, I tend the geekier Jews I hang out with religiously have that. But I, I just, I notice there's not as deep a connection, or that's my perceived kind of thing, like that. To the actual Bible? Yeah, the, the, oh, the religious imagination yeah. doesn't seem to be as animated. No. So I'm just curious, is that like... Are you case? right about that? Is that yeah, true? Yeah, am I right about you're that? Com- what you're saying stereotype? most Jews you meet don't really know their Bible you're stories. You're completely right That's about true. that. That's true. You're completely right. But about they that. will read like the Dove Keeper or like right. these books about them. Like right. the Red Tent. Yeah, the Red yeah. Tent. Or yeah. Uh, uh, the Chaim Potok, yeah. the Chosen, the Promise. Yeah. Um, if it's like intellectual, they yeah. will read it. Yeah, they'll read the like Bible your, is kind of for like crazy people. Historical fiction about. Who, who believes in that? Well, not, not most Jews. So I've always, I've taken note that Christians have this incredibly easy on-ramp, which is that if you know the story that these three wise men said a baby will be born, he gets born, he says he's the son of God, he's crucified for it, and then he's resurrected three days later. What did that take me? Nine seconds? You now know all the theology you need to- Do you pl- want to preach at my church next week? You know all the theology <laughs> you need in nine seconds to plug into 95% of the sermons that will go on on a Sunday morning in a Christian church. The Muslims similarly have a story about the life of Muhammad. He dies- Gets on the horse, flies, you know, etc. The Jews do not have one story. Yeah, it's we like have too many characters. We yeah, got like the story. There's even like the big ones, the sort of the, like, the Exodus like story. The wire, you we've know? got, right, we've like got five seasons, all these little. Yeah, we've got like sixty plot like lines going on. Seasons past, and we got sixty plot lines, and none of them really recur after their week is up in the year. And there's no one story except uh, Holocaust. Like that's become our story. So it's a problem. It's a it's a it's a big effing problem. Holocaust or Israel. Yeah, Holocaust, Holocaust Israel, Elie Wiesel. Our big story is Elie Wiesel, and he died, so now we're really screwed. Yeah. So, good question. Any, Thank you. Any words of what? How would a Christian end this interview? Is there a, a blessing for for the road? Are you going to give us that Irish road rise up to greet us? Yeah, Shit. I don't. I, Do not give us that. No, I, I just well, I just with great. I mean, I think my favorite book on John Calvin's theology. Is, I, like I was trained as Presbyterian, so I always say I follow three JCs: Jesus Christ, John Calvin, and Johnny Cash. Not necessarily in that order, but there's a great book called Grace and Gratitude, which I, I like to. It's by Brian Garish and on Calvin's theology, and I like the subtitle should be a kinder, gentler Calvin. But uh, yeah, I just you guys have graced me. Like uh, I think grace is just a gift, and uh, I am grateful for what you guys do and to be a small part of it. And if people want to plug into your work, Mockingcast, Ember.com and Ember.com, just the and, letter. Uh, M Bird.com. Yes. And our if you just search Mockingcast and iTunes. We'll and you should also later. know that that's Khan and I are working on an uh 
an ecumenical apocalypse soon to unravel. And this is our sacrament. And this is yeah. Here you. I so Lee Allen Scott are working on a drinking slash <laughs> theology show. Me. Stay tuned. Finding God through uh, Rye Whiskey uh, show. Reverend Scott Jones, thank you, sir. Hey, it's been a pleasure. We'll pizza talk to you. Goldfish are amazing. Pizza goldfish. Hey, from the mailbox, we got some great letters this week. I'm going to read bits of a couple of them. Uh, we got a letter from Oklahoma. This may be our first letter from Oklahoma. Ken Lane writes, Shalom, y'all, from Oklahoma. I'm an unorthodox listener from the beginning and was waiting, albeit with a cringe, for you to have a Messianic Jew as your Jew of the week. I applaud you guys for featuring one who is halakhically Jewish, as there is a rash of Jew identifiers in the Christian world attempting to speak for the tribe and the Christian Messiah. I once was a Messianic Jew myself and was hoping your guest wouldn't end up fitting the usual profile. By that, I mean I've never once met someone who grew up religious with a thorough knowledge of Tanakh becoming a Messianic Jew. They're usually always secular Jews whose first encounter with heavy Hebrew Bible studies are through the lens of Christian theology. I know this was the case for me, as leaving Jesus behind was only about 2% intellectual and 98% emotional. That being said, your guest is 100% Jewish. I'm appalled by those who would say she's not, as halakha, Jewish law, does not agree with the idea of negating Jewish status. Thanks again for a wonderful podcast. Sincerely, Ken and the Oklahoma Jews. I like that he's writing on behalf of all the, he probably, they're all in his family. It's a roller derby team, yeah, the Oklahoma right. Jews. All the Oklahoma Jews. <laughs> that is. All right, one more letter. Dear, this, and this is a great one. Dear Stephanie, Mark, and Liel, I began an internship at a military defense contractor a month ago. I'm basically building rockets. God bless you. <laughs> Call me a rocket scientist. While my job sounds like a party, it's considerably less enjoyable than I was counting on. As it turns out, I'm not quite ready for adulting yet. Nine hours a day in front of a computer, not my favorite. However, I discovered your podcast at about the same time as my internship started, and it, and it is my favorite. I enjoy your company immensely. It's just what I need to unwind from overly serious days at work. Thank you. On a slightly different note, I want to express serious thanks as a fully believing and involved Latter-day Saint or Mormon. I sometimes feel like this world can be a hostile place toward us, and it has been such a relief when, the few times Mormons have been brought up on your show, you've treated us with dignity and respect. I'm so pleased to have this opportunity to learn about Jewish life and culture from such awesome people as yourselves. Keep doing what you're doing. All the best, Megan Sullivan. Megan Sullivan, can I tell you something? It's not just dignity and respect. It's envy. It's envy. They're you better. guys are the new. Mormons I mean, are better you're Jews. The new, you're the new us. You yeah. took everything that we did and be like, oh, we're just going to make it just like a like two thousand times, times yeah. more Like we were awesome. just beta. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a better promised land in that That's exactly there's the no thing. war in Utah. You've got the undergarments. You've got the dietary restrictions. Amazing. You, I'm, I'm actually, I'm not kidding now. Yeah. Um, I, I have I have profound admiration. for This, this buds for you. Oh, not this buds. This <laughs> lemonades for you, Megan. Uh, and send us the names of some Mormon friends of yours whom we should have on as Gentiles of the Week. Or do it yourself. Or, or come be our Gentile come be our of the Week. Of the week. Talk, at, about yeah, make talk about rockets. Yeah, make some rockets. Done building rockets. All right, should you do our... I know, shouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, could you drop Paul? <laughs> How dare you? All right, some Mazel Tovs of the Week. Clap your hands now. Stephanie Button. I, I want to keep this one for myself. I'm really excited. This <laughs> <laughs> is to me, bitches. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. That was so marriageous. Sorry, not... That was, sorry. That was sorry, not sorry. It's like you don't even know the old single self that you no, used to excited. have. No, I'm just excited. I like feel very excited. I believe, and I I'm allowed. the term is engagist. <laughs> She's engagist. not married just yet. Is it my mom? No, it's that has nothing. It's no. It's no judgment statement on anything. This I don't know. I mean, I'm excited. We're excited for it. No, you know what? How about this? Can I do? Can I do? Can I do it over? No. My muscle tub is to me 
bitches, because my Instagram post announcing that Ben and I were engaged has 200 likes. More than any p- picture of my cat I've ever p- put up. I'm not going to like think about what it means that everyone's like now finally being like, oh, this is good news. Like this we can endorse. But, you know, <laughs> I've never gotten 200 likes before. I'm usually oh, at, like This 50. relationship with another human being <laughs> is something that we actually care about. Moving forward in like a very normative way Correct. is like what we, what we endorse. God bless. We're so happy for you. We are. We really are. Leo. And my Instagram? Leo. For your Instagram. Of course. For that achievement. Not for any other reason. You know, I'm going to bring it about a thousand, uh, a thousand degrees down. Um, I, I, want, I, I want to offer very sincere and earnest thanks, I suppose, for uh, British Labour Member of Parliament Naz Shah, who has said some pretty outrageous things about Jews in the past, and then thought it over and realized, hey, you know what? I was completely wrong and ill-informed. And so she wrote a letter uh, this week and said, the language that I used was anti-Semitic. It was offensive. What I did was I heard people and a language that was clearly anti-Semitic language, which I didn't know at the time. And you know what? That's amazing. That is. I respect that profoundly. Nasha, all is forgiven. The Jews like you again. You're you're good with us. We'll try to get her on the show. Yeah, we should. We should. Obviously, I, I joined Stephanie and Liel in Mazel Toving Stephanie uh, for her engagement. And I'm really excited because, you know, at my age, I, I'm waiting for the second weddings to happen. Like Sid and I are in a wedding lull. We went mm-hmm. to a lot of weddings five, six, seven years ago. And and now we're waiting for our friends to divorce and get remarried. And then we'll have some more weddings. <laughs> and, and then wakes. Yeah, then, <laughs> right. But and some bar and bat mitzvahs coming up. But right now, there's the wedding, we have no wedding. We have exactly one wedding invitation. Our friends, Emma and Sam, this, this fall pinning this to the calendar every I'm saving every weekend for the next if, two years if you're invited that would be if terrific. I'm invited yeah so that one my brother Jonathan who does this amazing criminal justice work in Minnesota has started a project basically dedicated to pointing out that all of us have broken laws but only some of us get caught and Jonathan's broken a, a lot of laws in I don't know day. what you're talking about so um so you should go to his website. It's criminal.org, but take out the middle I because then you have an MN for Minnesota which is where he lives so it's criminal.org uh, if you have thoughts, comments, <laughs> praise, or questions for our panel of experts, send them to unorthodox at tabletmag.com. Give us money at tabletmag.com slash donate. Unorthodox is brought to you by Tablet Magazine on the web at tabletmag.com. It is edited by Scott Kent Jones and produced by Alyssa Goldstein. Rabbinic supervision is by Don Katz, Sharon Rosenblum, Jonathan Newton, Lori Gilman, and Nate Leibowitz. Kosher slaughtering by the wonderful family of Zippy and Ian Turner. Zippy, why does your husband have such a goyish first name? And their kids who listen to us in the car. Follow Tablet on Facebook. On Twitter, we're at Tablet Mag. Our music is by Golem. Shalom, friends. <laughs>